Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my colleague and co-host, Kate Roberts. Hi. Hi. Today, uh, we're joined by Stephanie Fox. Stephanie is someone I've known for five years, and I think we've only met in person maybe twice. I think that's right. Mm. And a few more times virtually. And yet, Stephanie's one of my favorite people on the mm. planet. And when we first met, and I think the first time we met in person was at a conference in London. And it did feel as if we'd known each other for a very long time. That's what I do remember from that. And every time I hear from Stephanie, my mouth drops as to how much she does in the world. Some of that we'll be hearing in a few minutes time, but I've always thought about what it would be like to have um, a book out there that would be helping children. Well, Stephanie's done that more than once. What it would be like to, to train teachers, to train and teach children about inner peace and well-being. Stephanie's doing that. What's it like to work in a place where there's conflict and war? Stephanie does that. And from a very humble and unassuming front, there's depths to you that I've always adored listening to. So I'm really excited to, to hear what you have to say with us today. Wow. <laughs> Uh, you're right. I am embarrassed and almost a little tear in my eye too. Wow. Man, that was so lovely. Thank you. I never would think of myself as uh, doing so much. Um, so um, that's uh, really uh, nice to hear. Um, I guess that um, that's just my perspective. <laughs> um, I'm so, so um, honored and happy to be with you guys uh, today. And first off, I have to um, ask for your um, pardon in advance if you hear my son screaming uh, in the background. This is just kind of uh, part, part of the life now with a first grader uh, online at home. Um, and yeah, so I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Great that you're here, Stephanie. And and in our chat before we started the recording, I asked you what what's live for you right now, and Kate and I were wondering about that. So, and you started sharing, and I said, "Well, before you kind of talk all about that, why don't we just start recording?" So here we are, starting recording, Stephanie. So what's fresh for you right now as, as the time that we record this? Mm, yeah. So today. Um, it has not really been my typical day. It's been um, 
you know, kind of hard, I would say, and really um, touching at all those raw human emotions because of um, the things that are happening in Gaza and Israel. If you haven't turned on the news, like, which I normally don't, um, it's, they're now in the midst of the worst violence in seven years. Um, there is just massive um, destruction happening and death and injury and just all of the horrors that go um, with war and violence are um, happening. And sadly, this is, you know, a cycle of things that happen there. This is like the fifth war in, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 years. Um, so it's just this terrible cycle. And the reason I hold, um, or I'm so familiar with that, or I, I know what's going on, it's like I, I hold those places really close in my heart because um, for 12 years I lived um, in Gaza and then um, in Tel Aviv. Um, working for the United Nations and then um, NGOs. And so I have um, a lot of friends there and a lot of great memories. And so um, my social media feeds and also my text messages have been filled in the last 24 hours with uh, horrifying videos of um, destruction and um, messages of lots of fear and anger, um, all understandably so. And of course, so many of them are um, personal, not only because I recognize the places and the people in them, um, but one I received last night kind of hit me a little bit harder because um, it was a building I used to live in, a 13-story building uh, was destroyed that I used to live in. So, um, you know, it's hard to see any kind of type of destruction, but especially of a place that you once uh, called home, which I guess just gives me like a even uh, closer glimpse of what it's like for those who um, sadly experience that many times in their lives. And so I was kind of, oh, and then of course, then I turn on the news, something I normally do. Um, because I felt like it was, I don't know, kind of an obligation uh, to be informed. And I saw myself um, just really going to this, um, getting in the noise, I guess, going along with um, the theme of your podcast. Like I went, um, you know, from the kind of de facto state of, you know, well, general well-being and calm to like really getting up in, in my head with um, the same feelings of um, anger that many of my friends were experiencing and fear and injustice and also just like exasperation and overwhelm, like how long can this go on? Like, when are we gonna like learn our lesson? When are we gonna do something new to change the situation? You know, it's just, the literal definition of insanity that's going on there. And um, I noticed that, I noticed that. I was like, oh, wow, okay, you're, you're, go you're going um, up in the noise. And I'm so glad I was able to do that because then I realized that I, you know, I'm not helpful 
or maybe, maybe I can be helpful in the noise, but I've noticed that I'm way more helpful out of it when I'm in more of my, um, you know, sitting as an observer of all that emotion that I'm having. Like, I don't, I don't think I have to not be in it. I think that's impossible, actually. I mean, I, I don't know how you could possibly watch what's going on and not have these reactions of, um, you know, anger, frustration, and overwhelm. Um, but there is this really amazing possibility of feeling that and having a bit of distance from it, um, being an observer of it. And I have found like in my life that um, that is just a much more helpful and powerful place for me to sit in is kind of the observer of the, the noise, if you will. Um, and so from there, I was like, okay, I'm not gonna contribute uh, to this like by writing my own, you know, um, noisy Facebook post or something like that that is, that is expressing um, all these very raw human um, things. Um, I was able just to sit back and kind of relax and take a deep breath. And then it occurred to me to call a friend in Gaza. Um, and I was so glad I did put up because for a moment, I was wondering, you know, while I was in this, this, these noisy thoughts, like, surely, there's like, um, like a breaking point, surely, you can only surely like the fifth war is the one that you're going to go through that is going to make you constantly be living in a state of fear and anger, surely, human beings um, must have this kind of breaking point. And and I'm totally prepared to deal with that fact and like be wrong about everything I've been teaching, you know, which is about innate resilience and well-being. Like I'm prepared to be wrong about this. So let's just call up somebody there and see what's going on. And um, I noticed like in the in the beginning of the conversation, um, there wasn't really an interest in, in talking about the situation and what was going on. It was an interest in like, how are you, Stephanie? What's going on with you? What's up with life? Like this wanting just to have a normal conversation, right? Like how are things over there on the other side? Just to have that normal human connection. I was like, oh, wow, okay, like this, there wasn't this like, let's dwell on the fact that I'm living in another war right now with all my kids, like, and it's really terrible. It wasn't that. It was like, just wanting some normalcy. And um, that struck me. Um, and then the other thing was that um, we were talking about like what is like what is the mentality of the people right now like what's the, what's the state of mind how are people thinking about all of this and he was like well it's it's really different kind of depending upon you know where you are like how close if your home has been destroyed if you're you know like your specific situation and he's like I just feel so so lucky because I have shelter and I have food that I can put on the table um, for my kids. And he's like, I, we were using this metaphor um, about swimming. He's like, regardless of where you are, you have to swim. You, 
um, you have to do something to keep yourself afloat. And he's like, I feel like I have so much in my life right now that I'm not in the water swimming. I'm like sitting on top a yacht in this very privileged position. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, why? He's like, I told you why. I have shelter. I have food to put on uh, the kid's table. Like I'm totally fine. And he's like, from where I'm sitting, I can help. He's like, I'm so lucky. I can help so many people around me who don't have um, those things. And there, and there are many. And I was like, wow, that is amazing. I'm like, so what do you do? He's like, you play with your kids. You help when they, they of course, when they hear a huge explosion, they're gonna be scared. You play with them, you hug them, you think of new games, you go over, check on your family, check on your friends. Like he was just listing off all of these things that occur to him to do from um, him living under the noise, right? Not participating in um, the fear and the anger, which would be so easy to do. And he recognized that and he was like, I could easily go and sit on my couch and, you know, get on Twitter or whatever social media and contribute to that. And he was like, but why? What good? What good is that possibly going to do? You know, I'd rather go and play with my kids or check on my friends, see, see, see who I can actually help. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, wow, that 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 is innate well-being that is resilience he's just so tapped into it that he can be of service and if he can you know be of service and connect with his uh well-being in that circumstance then surely i can too and all of us can actually so i have yet to be proven wrong about innate resilience even though i try <laughs> So you've mentioned innate resilience and, and I think you said innate resilience and well-being. How would you describe that? Mm. I would describe that as this untouchable, unbreakable life force within each one of us that we are all born with that um, is the, the animating force of life, that when connected to it, we feel um, alive and are like our true selves. Like we are, just, we are able to, you know, operate with ease. Thing, life is um, light. And I know you well enough that you've seen the impact that that can have on individuals and communities. Hmm. What comes to mind as something that you'd like to share about what you've seen? Yeah. Um, well, I think when I'll just go back to the example I was talking about earlier 
like you can see how when a community is in crisis, um, like so many communities in the Middle East are in crisis right now, how having just even one person who is connected to that, like what that is going to do, you know? So I just imagine like a family, you know, they've just lost their home, literally homeless, walking around with nothing and bombs still falling down upon them. And someone, and this is not, you know, actually I've, I've seen this many times in Gaza. This is not so uncommon. Somebody going out, you know, and taking them in, being able to help them, you know, just being there for them and not being consumed with their own stuff, even though they'll have it, but being in such like this moment of just like uh, clarity and um, clarity about what needs to be done, like so connected to your spark, as we call it at the Spark Initiative, just so plugged in that you are, you are there for them in, in the perfect way that they need people to be there for them. And of course they feel that. And what I've noticed is like when, when people encounter people and like, like that, who are really plugged in and helpful, then they get curious, like, wow, what's up with you? <laughs> you know, like why, why aren't you, why aren't you operating on, in this like fear and anger state? What's going on? you know, and then there's this curiosity and then it spreads because people want to learn more about it. And then they, you know, take that into their homes and their family. And it's just like setting this, like an example of, of what is possible um, when we are not caught up in all of the, the stuff in our head, like any, anything, literally anything is possible. And the more and more that people see that, the, the more they'll know that that is a possibility, right? Because if you're, I see, I see this often as well, like so many people, they don't, they don't know it's a possibility to not live in, in a fear and anger mode, right? Like if you've never been exposed to that, then how, uh, how, how would you, how would you know it's possible? Like you can't, um, you have to see it. You have to see it in action. You have to be around people who, who live like that. And it leaves an impression. If you had a magic wand, <laughs> what would you wish the people who are causing and or perpetuating what's happening right now what would you wish they knew or understood about human beings? I wish that everybody, everybody in the world would understand that while it looks and feels like we are looking for a physical thing or a certain piece of land, let's say, or um, to live next to a certain group, certain group of people. What we are actually only ever looking for is a feeling. 
and we go for things. We try and set up the circumstances around us. Let's choose our neighbors, choose our borders, choose whatever it is, because we think they are going to give us that feeling that we want. And it's not true. You can never get a feeling from something outside of you. It's impossible, even though it seems that way. I know, I know. It's impossible. And you can only only have to like think of the example I gave earlier of, you know, sitting in a literal war. Some people are experiencing well-being and some are not. If war gave you a feeling, everyone in that situation would be feeling the same thing. That alone proves it. But of course, don't, you know, take my word for it, you know, explore for yourself. But what you will find if you look into this is that all feelings come from within, regardless of the circumstance you're in. And nothing you do out in the world will ever give you the feeling that you're actually looking for because there's only one source of that. And that's in from within your spark, as we say. You okay if we shift gears and talk about spark? Sure. Yeah. <sighs> so obvious question. Hey, tell us about spark. <laughs> um, spark. Wow. So after I had um, that insight that I just shared with you, but what I wish everybody would knew the source of feelings. Um, I was like, wow, everybody does need to know this. This needs to be a basic part of education. Like just how kids learn um, literacy and numeracy, they need to learn the source of their feelings because it would solve so many issues. And so I started uh, creating um, uh, like a book and a couple videos with some excellent colleagues of mine called Curious the Dragonfly that did exactly that. And this was very much in alignment, in alignment with what my um, friends and colleagues at the Spark Initiative were doing. So um, we joined forces and we created um, the fourth curriculum that the Spark Initiative has, um, which is a full curriculum teaching these concepts about the human mind, well-being and resilience. Um, that is taught by people around the world um, now. I think it's in 12 countries. It's taught in um, schools, uh, drug rehabilitation centers, um, juvenile correction settings, foster care settings. And um, that is like, that's one of the big things that we do is we help um, teachers, school counselors, mentors, um, to share this simple yet profound understanding with kids um, to basically, in, in my mind, it could, it could really end human suffering. I know that sounds like it's a big claim, but, you know, I have to, like, 
go with what I know. And I just know that. Don't ask me to prove that win, but I just feel it. I feel it's true. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's what we do. We share, we share the, um, it's a spark mentoring program, like I said, for, for four different ages. And we um, train facilitators all over the world um, in that. Stephanie, how do you find that the kids handle what you're trying to tell them? How do they, sorry, how do they handle it? How they respond to what you try to tell them and explain to them. Yeah. So um, I've worked mostly um, with the younger kids. And I actually created the curriculum with my son. We were writing it when right when... Um, Corona um, started a year ago. And at first I was like, oh my gosh, like how, how am I going to do this? Like I have to do kindergarten and I have to write this curriculum. This is a disaster. And then it turned out to be the perfect thing because he was like the main target audience. So I was like trying out all the activities on him, you know, so he was like my guinea pig. I was like, oh, perfect. I have like the audience here all day while I need to write this them and so it was it was developed that way and what I found doing that and then also teaching it um was that it's so they they know this stuff like at that uh age like five to seven they you know they know um like because it's their their feelings you know change quickly uh for example they're like they, they're not living under all this conditioning that us adults have um, about how the world work, how the world supposedly works outside in. Like they haven't been trained in uh, this misunderstanding yet. So they're like, yeah, I know. I know feelings pass. We do this one activity like with the, um, the bubbles. Uh, you know, you blow bubbles and you ha they have to watch like the little bubble and the, the big bubble and see, okay, see what happens. And um, the bubbles represent feelings, right? Uh, small feelings and, and, and big feelings. And um, we're like, what always happens to the bubbles? They pop no matter what. Yeah, they always pop. They always go away. And so they, I feel like, especially with the little kids, it's always, it's an like, a bringing out of what they know, right? It's not teaching per se. It's just kind of uncovering any um, wrong information they might've uh, acquired just being in this world that we live in where we do uh, tend to learn um, the incorrect source of feelings. And so it's also, they really connect with the idea of, um, your spark, um, you know, they'll come up with answers like, well, what do you, you know, we ask, what do you think your spark is? And they'll say things like, oh, I know it's my soul. Or I know it's um, 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 what brings me joy. You know, I feel like they really, they really connect with it. Yeah. And also like, I haven't worked directly with the other ones, but um my colleagues work a lot um, with the high schoolers, so I hear their stories as well. And it's um, a relief. This is one of the main things. Like when um, when they learn that um, you're not your thoughts, you don't have to believe all of the thoughts in your head. Like it's optional 
just because you have a thought doesn't make it true. Like that is a massive relief for kids and for everybody, right? Like just because I have the thought, um, I'm not good enough. Like, wait a second. I don't have to believe that. I mean, it seems so simple, but it's huge, right? Because no one, no one has ever told them that. No one has ever told them that you, it's thoughts that come in are optional. Wow. Like how empowering is that? Alone for teenagers. Or what, what your friend says that, you know, you know, you're ugly or you're not cool enough to hang out with us. To know that that's not true. That that is just their thinking. And that their thinking actually has nothing to do with you. It's only involves their mental process. I mean, for teenagers, it's huge. You know, that, you know, as I'm sure as you guys can remember, like so much of your self-worth was derived from what your peers thought of you. And if you didn't have that, then man, those years were really hard. And then to find out that all that teenage suffering was optional. Whoo. Wow. Like really for that reason alone, this should be mandatory. Even just that one point, like you don't have to believe thoughts or the thoughts of your friends. Like, can we just like one thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like how could, how am, are you guys with me? Like, how could that not be like, required knowledge that literally takes out all the noise for a teenager like what is left after that right yeah well it, it makes learning capital cities of countries a little less uh, meaningful <laughs> you get something like that that can change everyone's life and to actually for them to realize an awful lot more joy and freedom in life mm. as opposed to the you know the capital of Lithuania as beautiful as Vilnius is <laughs> we might have something a little more meaningful Based on that very profound and very precise and incredibly meaningful point, I think that's just an awesome place to, to leave our listeners with and to ponder on that. Mm. It's left me speechless which for a lot of people would be a blessing. <laughs> and um, below or in the description to the podcast and below, if you're watching the video on YouTube, you can see more about how to contact Stephanie and the Spark Initiative and and the books that, uh, that she's beautifully written and beautifully illustrated as well. Um, books. Is there anything else that you think would be good to leave us with? Mm.
Um, I guess just that called me naively optimistic, but I really do think that the simple things that we've talked about today, if known by uh, a tipping point of human beings, let's say the majority, I'm not sure what the tipping point is, would truly transform our world into what I know it can be. Where there is peace and sustainability for everyone. And I think that this can happen in our lifetime. If we can vaccinate like enough people to get herd immunity, certainly we can get this knowledge into the heads of kids to change our world. I love that. Stephanie Fox, thank you very much. Thank you guys. It was such a pleasure. Thanks, Stephanie. You've been listening to Under the Noise with Kate Roberts. Wynne Morgan and our guest today, Stephanie Fox. Thanks for listening and we'll see you all soon. And of course, if there's any anything that you'd like to ask us about or a topic that you'd like to um, for us to bring up, then let us know. Our contact details are below and we look forward to speaking to you again real soon. Thanks, Wynne. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and Kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.